Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for Welcome to Lobby Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the DC Family and Podcast. And we've got a great podcast for you as Dan Zaborski does a great job over there. Fanbert Graffs, he's going to be joining me in the second segment. Going to be talking about some of the under-the-radar trade deadline moves that wound up impacting the way that he views a few teams, just some of the outlooks for the teams that are in contention for the playoffs, which teams that are not in the playoffs, if the season were to end today, might be able to make it, which teams might have the potential of falling out, and what are some of the big series to watch for later on this week. We're going to be talking about that with Mr. Zimborski in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday. As we touch them off, first things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JNRS41. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So, as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great day of baseball on Monday, a relatively low-scoring day of baseball on Monday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Wound up seeing three teams get shut out in Major League Baseball out of seven games on Monday, and one of those teams, well, they were the big buyers at the trade deadline, the San Diego Padres. They fall to the San Francisco Giants by a count of 1-0. to one run in this game comes on a sacrifice fly by Ethereo Estrada as Alex Wood is beginning a little bit unlucky this season. He was able to put it together six and a third inning scoreless. John Brebbia from there gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen before Tyler Rogers, Camilo Udoval, 
good eighth and ninth innings to keep the San Diego Padres scoreless as for a Giants bullpen that set its struggles this year. And for Blake Snell, in a really good start. He's posting up right around 250 ERA over his last six. Gives up one run over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Nothing great about there. Nick Martinez two and a third inning scoreless. Josh Hader was able to get a pair of strikeouts. He pitched a scoreless inning. Team just wanted coming up snake eyes in terms of being able to get some hits as nobody wound up having more than one hit in this one. Nobody could deliver that big hit as well, so that wound up being a scoreless game. My DK Nation pick was on the Oakland A's and got a feel for Cole Irvin in my bankroll because the Oakland A's wind up losing by a count of 1-0. Cole Irvin allows a solo home run to Luis Renifo in the first setting. That's all you would give up. Sixth home run season in. The team behind him wanted getting two hits. Irvin gives up that one run in eight innings. From there, Zach Jackson is able to give you a scoreless setting, but Jose Suarez was able to hold the Oakland A's silent. Seven scoreless settings. Punches out eight. Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera from there. They're able to give you a scoreless setting as this was just a game in which nobody could win of getting anything generated whatsoever. You do wind up seeing the Cubs getting something generated, though, against Washington Nationals. 6-3, the final is Anibal Sanchez. Still have no idea why he's getting starts. He winds up extending that ERA to a 7.56. Gives up four runs in five innings, including a pair of jacks. As going deep for the Cubs, Christopher Morrell was able to get his 10th home run season, and Nelson Velasquez is 6th. From there, you do end up having Hunter Harvey give up two runs in an inning before Steve Cichek, Mason Thompson. They both give you a scoreless inning, and you do wind up seeing a pair of bombs from the Washington Nationals as well. Luke Voigt gets a 16th home run of the season, and Joy Meneses was able to get his second home run of the season. As for the Cubs, you wind up having Keegan Thompson allow one solo home run over the course of six innings. His home run that he wanted giving up was to Voight. The other one, that wanted being surrendered by Brandon Hughes as he allows two runs in an inning before Michael Rucker, Rowan Wick. They come in for scoreless innings to be able to get that one done. And hey, for the Chicago Cubs, they've really been able to turn things around a little bit recently as the team has been a little bit up and down. They did wind up taking that sweep against the St. Louis Cardinals, but by and large, they've been able to do a nice job ever since the... All-Star break as well as I know that they wound up getting on a streak of, I believe that when it was all said and done, they were able to win six straight games. So they've been able to do a little bit more of a respectable job here in the last four weeks. You wound up seeing a very good effort from the Earths and the Diamondbacks, 3-0. They take down the Pittsburgh Pirates as Tyler Beatty. Not long for this game, but three and two-thirds innings scoreless. Many Benuelos was able to give you two innings, giving up an unearned run along the way before Yuri De Los Santos was able to give you four outside the bullpen scoreless. Yohan Ramirez gives up two runs in an inning as the Arizona Diamondbacks bust this thing open in the eighth inning with those two runs as it was a grounder into a double play that they wound up scoring their first run on. And then Quito Marte of the Marte Parte, he winds up getting a big hit in that eighth inning as Joe Manta Ian Kennedy both give you a scoreless inning after Zach Gallon delivers seven scoreless. So, the Aaron's and the Diamondbacks, they wind up being able to get it done at home. The New York Metropolitans are able to get it done against the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds were on to scoring not very much at all. 5-1 to one the final. The Mets get it done as it was the first start of the season for Justin Dunn. He did not get her done, giving up three runs in four and two-thirds innings, including home run to Starling Marte of the Marte Parte. 12th home run season. From there, the bullpen wasn't too bad. Ryan Hendricks says wind up giving up two runs in an inning, but Luis Sessa, Ian Gabo, they combined for seven out scoreless out of the bullpen, and for the Reds, they strand 11 men on base. As Chris Bassett did a good job of being able to maneuver his way through situations. One unearned run surrendered over the course of eight innings before Adam Avino is able to close the door with a scoreless inning of his own. Yusei Kikuchi was really the guy that was giving up the runs on Monday as the Blue Jays wind up losing to the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 7-4. And all of a sudden, for the Baltimore Orioles, 
As things stand right now, they're a game and a half out of that last wild card spot. As they wind up getting a solid start here from Jordan Lyles. Says wind up giving up two solo home runs over the course of five and two thirds innings. They can empty Matt Chapman, 22nd home run season, and Kevon Biggio is third. From there, you do wind up having CNL Perez giving out of the bullpen. Joey Crebo, Felix Batista, they combined to be able to get the final five outs of the game before Dylan Tate winds up giving up two runs in one and a third innings. But for the Baltimore Orioles, they were able to get the deep ball going off of a guy that has been giving up the deep ball all season long. You say Kikuchi. Kikuchi gives up three bombs, one to Ramon Udias, 12th home run season. Anthony Santander gets his 20th home run season. Ryan Mountcastle is 15th as Kikuchi. Five runs surrendered, including those three bombs over the course of five innings. Trent Thornton would also give up a home run in his two innings of work as Austin Say's kid winds up getting his 13th home run season, gives up just that one run in two innings. And then Trevor Richards, he gives up a run in an inning as well as the Blue Jays. They wind up stranding 10 men on base. And then the New York Yankees. They go on the road. They take down the Seattle Mariners as for the Yankees, Jameis Satayan, able to deliver seven innings. He did wind up giving up a pair of home runs in this one as Mitch Hanniger. He is back in the fold for this team. He winds up getting his fourth home run season, and Cal Raleigh was able to get his 16th And for Logan Gilbert. Seven runs surrendered over the course of four innings as he allowed a home run along the way as going deep. Josh Donaldson, his 11th home run season from there. The Seattle bullpen was able to go to work. Penn Murphy, two scoreless innings. Eric Swanson, Matt Brash were both able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Yankees, they were able to get some good bullpen pitching out of Aroldis Chapman as well as this is a game that went over thanks to the Yankees being able to supply some bombs. And if you're taking a look at what we've been getting out of Major League Baseball this season, it still has been a little bit of an under-season. 793 unders to 750 overs, so right around 51.4% of games have wound up going under the total, and for underdogs, been a little bit of a touch-and-go season. Favorites, they are 967 and 653 straight up, but for home favorites, they've had a little bit of a tough time covering the run line, as we have already seen now 193 instances in which the home favorite winds up winning the game, but they win the game by only one run, as they are 617 and 414 straight up, and if you're looking at the last 30 days, Major League Baseball been a little bit, once again, touch-and-go with underdogs. Favorites, 218 and 140 straight up, so hitting at nearly a 61% clip, but uh, the underdogs that have been cashing have been rather sizable underdogs, and all of a sudden, the overs are starting to take hold as well. We've seen 173 overs to 171 unders over the last 30 days, and if you reduce it down to the last 7 days, it's been a little bit of an over-binger. 45 overs to 38 unders, so right around 54% of games going over the total, and in this time span, favorites they went 54 and 39, so hitting right around 58%. That's what we're seeing Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Monday. Now let's turn the page forward to taking a look at some of these great races that we're going to be seeing for the playoffs moving forward, and to do that, we chat with Dan Zaborski of Fangrass right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here at Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest. It's Dan Zaborski. does absolutely amazing work taking a look at the game of baseball for Fangraphs. I know that he does a great job taking a look at Zip State as a Zip statistician, taking a look at... Just everything that we're getting in baseball, a lot of probabilities, and he has done an amazing job of being able to just configure what we've got right now because obviously a lot of teams wanted making a lot of changes at the trade deadline. So we're going to dive into that with our good friend Dan Zaborski. You're able to find on Twitter at the letter D and then his last name, Zaborski. Last name spelled S-Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I. And Dan, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Hey, how's it going today? It's going well for me, Dan, and I know that there are quite a few teams out there that it is going quite well for them because they wanted making a lot of moves at the trade deadline. And what did you make out of the moves that we wound up seeing in general? And did you think that there were maybe a couple under the radar moves that you think could wind up making a big impact for some of these teams moving forward? Well, obviously, the San Diego Padres made the biggest headlines, picking up Juan Soto, picking up Josh Bell, picking up Brandon Drury, Josh Hader. It was a pretty big deadline for them. It probably feels good for that organization because, if you recall, last year, they had almost apparently closed the deal with the Nats for Scherzer, but the Dodgers kind of swooped in. It was even reported in a few legitimate places that they were close to a deal. So it must feel good to get that done this year. The Dodgers didn't really do that much, really at all, except pick up Joey Gallo. So good deadline for the Dodgers, but I don't think anyone's that surprised. Also, the Mariners, they improved, obviously, as well. Luis Castillo is a big boost to the rotation. Uh, Matthew Boyd and Jake Lamb are useful depth. But the team that did fly under the radar for me, I think, in a way, were the Minnesota Twins. When I ran the numbers uh, through the Zips projections, simply because the Twins' additions were so targeted towards the team's needs, and the AL Central so open, and with the White Sox not doing anything, and the, the Guardians not doing anything, that 
they actually got the biggest playoff boost in the projections of, of any team in baseball from picking up Lopez, Michael Fulmer, and, and Tyler Molina. So I'd have to give a pretty quiet win to the Twins here, I think. And I do think that it's going to be interesting to see what we do wind up getting out of Tyler Molly moving forward because I'm sure that you saw, much like I did over the last few years, Tyler Molly, whenever he was on the road, very good pitcher. Now he goes to a ballpark in Minnesota that we call what it is, relatively pitcher-friendly, especially when you get more into late September. Weather winds are getting a little bit colder, which means that the ball is not going to be flying out as far. I think that this is going to be a really good fit for him, considering the fact that it felt like all of his struggles wanted coming in that fan box ballpark of Cincinnati. It's a better park for him. The one question that remains, uh, I mean, it's been talked about extensively with Whit Merrifield going to the Blue Jays. Molly is also not vaccinated. And there's, you know, if the Twins make the playoffs, there is a decent shot that they could be playing the Toronto Blue Jays in the first round. There is that kind of unanswered question, but I guess we'll see as we go to October because I would imagine there's pressure on any player who's going to the playoffs to be able to play on the road yeah and i think that there's going to be a little bit more pressure on these guys that might have been unvaccinated and they wound up skipping the trip to toronto when they were on say the cincinnati reds and say the Kansas city royals rather than being on one of these contenders as well so that'll be I mean, interesting yeah. to see yeah, it looks bad. No matter how you feel about vaccination, I don't obviously want to go into all that detour. But, you know, if I had to go to the playoffs, I would eat Skyline Chili in Cincinnati. I would do that <laughs> to go to the playoffs. That's the uh, sacrifice yes. I would make. And this coming from a man that is a Baltimore Orioles fan, which we've got to talk about that, is we've got Dan Zaborski joining me right here on the podcast. Does an amazing job over there at Fangraphs. You can occasionally find him at ESPN as well. And I mean, you just mentioned it. The Toronto Blue Jays, they are playing against your Baltimore Orioles. And as it sits right now, going into the game that we wound up seeing on Monday between the Blue Jays and the Orioles, and we're recording this as that game from Monday is going on, the Orioles just two games out of the wild card, the Toronto Blue Jays, if the season ended right now, they would be in the postseason. But, I mean, this is a very impactful series. We did wind up seeing the Baltimore Orioles sell off a few pieces. You mentioned Ore Lopez going to the Twins. You also wanted to take a look at Trey Boomer Mancini, already three home runs with the Houston Astros. But with the Orioles, really other than those two pieces, they did wind up keeping much of their guys together. And even with trading away those two guys, I still feel like the Orioles have a relatively solid shot of being able to stay in contention into late September and perhaps be able to play their way into that final wild card spot. Yeah, I think people kind of treated the deadline as very binary, as if keeping Mancini and Jorge Lopez would be competing and trading them would be giving up. When, in fact, you look at projections and differences are small between players, relatively speaking. Uh, Trey Mancini, you know, he's a big part of the Orioles' recent past. He's kind of the the survivor through the whole rebuild. He survived cancer, and that, and that of course, made everyone Baltimore root for him even double. But the truth remains, he's also not exactly a star player. It's not the Orioles giving up Juan Soto. The team has a lot of depth at first and corner outfield positions in DH. When you can get legitimate prospects for two months of an average-ish DH, that's worth it, especially because the Orioles it is still an uphill battle. They still have to do this for two months and play even better than they have to make the wild card. And you look at the Orioles rotation, you ask yourself, okay, is, is the rotation of Jordan Lyles and Spencer Watkins and well, Dean Kramer's been solid, but it doesn't feel like a rotation that can really match up against the best in baseball. I think the Orioles will probably finish probably in that 80 to 84 win range, which probably won't do it. 
And given what they got for Lopez, what they got for Man City, it's really hard for them to say, don't make plans for the future. Because, you know, the only reason they even have Lopez on the team is because they make decisions like that. Lopez was a low-risk, high possible chance of failure flyer and that's what they're doing they're going to put felix batista in closer and i think that long term that the team's in a slightly better position it's been an amazing year for the baltimore orioles a team that i don't think a lot of people have very high expectations for they're going to need to leapfrog at the very least someone in order to be able to get into the postseason so we shall see if that winds up happening i do think that that leads to an interesting topic of its own as well. Is there any teams that, if the season were to end right now, that you think would wind up being out of the playoffs when it's all said and done? Because I do take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Did not like what they wanted doing at the deadline. They trade away Josh Hader, and really the only piece that they get that's going to be able to help out the team this season from that trade is Taylor Rogers, which I would say is a downgrade even with what Josh Hader wound up doing in July. They wind up trading for Matt Bush that has not worked out thus far. And the St. Louis Cardinals coming off of a big series against the New York Yankees. They wind up picking up a lot of pieces. I think that there's a good chance that the Brewers do wind up missing the playoffs when it's all said and done. Yeah, my problem with the Brewers is the Orioles had a justification for, you know, making a small cash in on players because winning the wild card was a long shot in Baltimore and the best days are ahead of them. But for the Brewers, they're in a much tougher fight. At the time of the trade, they were ahead of the Cardinals in the division. They're still in a tight wild card race, still in a tight NL Central race. And under that scenario... I think it is a lot harder to do trades like this, especially because nobody they got is really that amazing long-term. The Orioles, you look at what they they, they picked up. They picked up Johnson in that three-way trade. And the thing about Seth Johnson is, even though he needs Tommy John surgery, he was generally considered a top 100 prospect coming into the season. Yeah, Tommy John surgery changes that outlook, but when you can get a talent like that for a rental, it's hard not to do. But nobody the Brewers got really suggests that to me. I did find it difficult to look at. I I really think that the Brewers should be a little more aggressive with their offense than they have been. They seem content to not use Keston here. They seem to just be satisfied with Adrian McCutcheon at DH, and he's not really a great hitter anymore. I mean, we're talking about a DH with a 720-something OPS, which even in 2022 isn't that great. I'm disappointed by the Brewers, especially because I think the Cardinals, even if they didn't get Soto, I think they did more to improve their standing than the Brewers did. I agree with you. I think that the St. Louis Cardinals did a great job at the deadline, and the one move that really was befuddling is San Zaborski does a great job with fan graphs. He is joining me on the podcast was the fact that the Cardinals were able to get Jordan Montgomery from the New York Yankees because we did wind up seeing the Yankees. They wound up acquiring Frankie Montas, and I'm not sure about you, but among all the moves that we wound up seeing Josh Hader being traded, that was obviously befuddling as well from the Brewers. But I don't know about you, but if I'm the Yankees, I was not going to be trading Jordan Montgomery. Personally, we wound up seeing him ship him off for Harrison Bader, and I felt like that might have been one of the worst moves at the trade deadline. I'm not sure what your thoughts are were about that, but I just didn't see why the Yankees wanted to make that move. I think we have a little disagreement here, which is okay because it's it's more fun yeah. than disagreement. I it seemed kind of weird at first because it's an unusual type of deadline trade and that it's two contenders trading major league talent to each other. And that's kind of a little unusual. Normally you're getting major league talent 
if you're a contender and try to ship off someone who can help you later. In this case, I think from the Yankees' point of view, they're really trying to, right now, it's not really about the regular season. It's about setting the team up for the playoffs. They do have a deep rotation right now in the terms of the playoffs. Their belief is that they didn't necessarily need Montgomery for the playoffs, that he'd largely be the odd man out of a four-man rotation in the playoffs. And that doesn't have quite as much value to the Yankees. And I think that their feeling was that once Harrison Bader's heel is feeling better, that he's a legitimate center fielder. And they don't want to be in a position, I think, while they're trying to get people rested for the playoffs, where they're still putting Aaron Judge out in center, still putting Aaron Hicks out in center. I think they would prefer to have these players in lower impact positions. And by the time the playoffs roll around to have Harrison Bader in center field and their other players in corners. So I think that was the Yankees position. I think the Cardinals are more focused on getting to the playoffs right now. And I think to do that, they needed to have better rotation depth. So Quintana was good, but he's a rental. Montgomery, they will have next year, and that's useful to the Cards next year. They have a lot of uncertainty with injuries, and I think for them it was worth the risk of losing Bader to get to the playoffs and then worry about if their outfield has enough depth when they're actually in the playoffs. I do think that it's interesting to take a look at just because the one thing that I take a look at as well is that you could just never have enough pitching depth because Luis Severino, obviously, on the injured list for the New York Yankees. You just have no idea when one of those guys does wind up going down. We do have Dan Zaborski does an amazing job over there at Fangraphs. And Dan, I mentioned it. We've got a relatively big series that is going to be starting up between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles. I also take a look at what we wound up getting on Monday with a big series starting up between the Yankees and the Seattle Mariners. I think that this is going to be a big one out there in the American League as well. Certainly one that I'm watching for after Seattle was able to have a relatively good series against the Yankees last week. Is there any other series that you think are really critical for a lot of these playoff races that you're really going to need to keep an eye on? I think the Yankees have a very crucial kind of two-week period in front of them because they're going to play the Mariners, they're playing the Rays, they're playing the Blue Jays. If they flop on this half-road trip, half-home stand, you could actually see a situation in which the Blue Jays could theoretically pull off the, the miracle comeback. As we're speaking, the lead is down to nine and a half games. At the start of last month, it was up 14, 15, 15 and a half games. So the Blue Jays have kind of whittled off Nearly half of it in the course of a month. I mean, 40% is a more accurate estimation. But if the Yankees can't get through this tough schedule, all of a sudden, what if there are five or six games out going to September? And that still makes them the favorite, but it makes it interesting because pennant races are fun. And the thing is, playing the Yankees, I think everyone likes to play the spoiler against the Yankees. You talk at the end of the season, the Rangers would love to knock the Yankees out of the playoffs. The Twins, they have a four-game series later this year in New York. They'd love to not only help their chances, but kind of make the Yankees uncomfortable in September, considering what the Yankees have done to them in the playoffs at times. So if we're going to see a miracle comeback from most likely the Blue Jays, the Rays are a little less likely, we could start to see that this week. So really, really looking forward to that. I do think that it's going to be a lot of fun to take a look out there because you mentioned it. A lot of people like to see it when the Yankees are struggling. Now, obviously, there are tons and tons of great Yankee fans out there as well, but always makes it fascinating whenever you do get those pennant races. And I am looking no further than last year. It wasn't a pennant race, but with that said, you did wind up having the St. Louis Cardinals bust off those 17 wins in a row. I believe that they were something like 10 or so games back of the San Diego Padres for that wild card spot. And the Padres, 
Well, they upchucked all over their shoes in the final month of the season. So you always wind up seeing one or two of those every, shall we say, few years. So hopefully we do wind up getting a tremendous race this season out there. And Dan, I know that you're doing a great job of being able to take a look at this and so much more. I know you did a great job taking a look at how the trade deadline wound up affecting all these teams to the positive, to the negative, or in some cases, just relatively neutral as well. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Well, on tap for me now is some sleep this week. It doesn't really benefit anyone listening to it, but it benefits me and I'm excited for it. You know, having our August coverage in fan graphs as we get down to the pennant races, we'll start to see a new model, but that'll come in September when I start to do it kind of game by game with the actual starters, since we'll kind of know that as we get closer to the end of the season. But you can find me at fan graphs. You can find my chats at Thursday at noon on fan graphs, and you can always find me at D Zimborski on Twitter at Times that are way too late at night than are healthy for my sleep health. Oh, hey, don't worry. I am up very late tweeting as well, so I join you in that battle. And Dan does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball. Always does a great job when he joins this podcast as well. Big thanks to Dan Zaborski and Fangrass for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis of every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we... Touch them all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. 
And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is always a pleasure to get Dan Zaborski aboard. He does an amazing job over there at Fangraphs, and occasionally you're able to find him on ESPN as well, covering the great game of baseball, taking a look at the advanced analytics, did an amazing job taking a look at everything that we wound up getting at the trade deadline, and... It was great to get him back aboard today. Big thanks to Dan for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUNIT underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. The lone thing is that we do have a doubleheader when it comes to that Royals versus White Sox doubleheader. We're going to do both of those games all together as we've got some to-be-determined starters in that as well. So let's start 901-902 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins. They're going to be on the road facing up against the Philadelphia Phillies as you have Braxton Garrett who's going to be on the mound for the Miami Marlins and Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is on the bump for the Phillies. Phillies, sizable favorites. Anywhere between minus 220 and minus 230 between plus 195 and plus 205. Your price on Miami, 7.5 is your total over and under both at minus 110 and I did wind up setting the Marlins at a price of which I needed at least a plus 232 to take a shot on them. If you're looking at the run line of the Phillies, it's between minus 105 and minus 110. And I was willing to go up to a minus 130. With Braxton Garrett, he has been able to do actually a very good job in his last few starts. He is not the issue here, actually, because with Braxton Garrett, he's been able to do a much better job of being able to reduce the walks that wound up plaguing him when he wound up getting opportunities at the big league level last two seasons. He has been posting up right around about two and a half-ish walks per nine innings, actually a little bit below that. He raised a 423 on the road compared to a 320 at home. Has been able to do a nice job bowing him down. Many able to get right around 10 to 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Ironically enough, he's had most of his success in day games, which I don't wind up reading too much into that. But what I think is an issue is the bullpen for one of the Miami Marlins. They did wind up trading away a few guys like an Anthony Bass and company. And for two, you just take a look at this Miami Marlins offense, and they are generating absolutely nothing whatsoever. You could wind up having Braxton Garrett go out there. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of six innings, and the Miami Marlins can't cover the run line because they can't score a run to save their lives. As for this Miami Marlins team right now, maybe deal with Jazz Shislam along with Ode Soler, their top two home run hitters, being out of the fold for this team. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of someone like an Asus Aguiar, he, Williams, Estadio, Miguel Ross, in between about a 235 to 241. Joey Wendell's been able to move the line, sitting at 265. And if there is a break for the team, Gary Cooper, he's back at the fold. He's sitting at 275, but you really have nobody putting back to ball right now other than Aguiar with his 13 home runs. We wound up seeing it in their series against the Cubs. They wound up having a grand total of four runs in that series. And then on the flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies has been a little bit touch and go ever since Bryce Harper has been out of the fold. But you know that you're going to get power out of Kyle Schwarber. Now the batting average of a 204, that's a little bit of a work in progress, but he's able to do a very solid job of being able to go yard. And then on top of that, Derek Hall 
Alec Boehm, both of these guys do a solid job, but we are reach base. Boehm hitting a little bit above a 290. Hall right around a 283. But you take a look at Hall and what he's been able to do over the last three days. 350 on base. That is going to be very helpful for the team moving forward. A little bit past that. You've got JT Riumito sitting at 265. He's been able to get things to click. Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins between a 250 and a 260 batting average. And Cassianos. Pair of home runs last week. Very welcome sign for the team. Reese Hoskins has went deep 24 times and then for this Phillies bullpen. It has been very solid over the last 45 days. It's been in the top six in the big leagues. David Robertson, good acquisition at the trade deadlines for Anthony Dominguez. Brad Hand there able to do a solid job. Corey Knable has been good in that seventh inning as well. And then for the Miami Marlins, guys like Jeff Brigham and company are not necessarily quality arms. Dylan Floro has been okay for this team. You've been able to get a couple of solid innings out of Uskar Balazobin, as well as one of the slowest working relievers I have ever seen in my life. But I do think that the Marlins are going to be up against it because I just don't know if they're going to be able to score off of Zach Wheeler, who has been absolutely amazing at home thus far this season. A 269 ERA overall, but that falls to a buck 58 at home, giving up four home runs to 62 and two thirds innings at home with opponents sitting a buck 83. I think that the Phillies do a very solid job of being able to keep the Miami Marlins off the board. So that might tell us 7.4. So here to 7.5 looking under, and with the Phillies willing to lay, the run line was willing to go up to a minus 130 there. So Look at Phillies run line and the under 903-904 on the bank for the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are under Cincinnati. They're under the road face off against the New York Mets. Carlos Carrasco is going to be home for the Mets, and Mike Miner hopes to not be a major disappointment for the Reds. Reds open up at a plus 190. Now you're finding them anywhere between plus 250 and plus 255. Meanwhile, in the Mets, it's anywhere between minus 285 and minus $3. Sign is your total over and under, both at minus 110. We've just gotten a little bit too far out of whack here. I ain't at that, like, minus 235 opener of the Mets. I thought that you had good value. I was willing to take plus 250 or greater with the Reds. Now, this is a poopy Reds team that... They have not gotten great starts out of Mike Miner. I'm not going to sell you that this guy's been the Mona Lisa Vito pitching or anything like that, but 300 runs are fear given up, and now three out of his last four starts. The big issue for Miner has been the deep ball, giving up 16 home runs and 56 and two-thirds innings. Major issue. He does go to City Field, where it's very much more pitcher-friendly on the road. He hasn't had a large sample size, 20 and two-thirds innings, giving up five home runs. Plus, he got a 6 ERA, which is actually a little bit better than a 6.25 only are in for Carlos Carrasco. He's certainly been able to do a better job at City Field rather than on the road. 341 home ERA compared to a 441 ERA on the road with out of his 12 home runs, just five coming at home, and he's pitched about 20 more innings at home rather than on the road, so he certainly has been a little bit better there, but this is a Cincinnati Reds offense that, to their credit, they are still able to put bad to ball, even with trading off a few pieces at the deadline. Taylor Naquin, wrongly enough, who's going to be on the other side for the Mets, is one of them, but Nick Senzel, Jonathan India, both of these guys, I think right around 250 now. Some of the guys in the lineup yesterday, that was pretty grody, as Mike Boustakis, Jake Fraley, Aricide Sakino, Paprico at the catcher spot, Jose Barrero. These are guys in below the middle, so I'm 200. But Barrero wound up having a two-home run game against the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Reds came into the series with some momentum. Jonathan Solano, he's been able to hit nearly a 300. Joey Batras that's coming off the injured list has been solid in. For the Mets, they've really been able to turn things around ever since they did wind up picking up Daniel Vogelback. He has been a very solid DH for the team. Starling Marte of the Marte Parte does a great job of being able to get on base. He, Jeff McNeil, are both hitting between about a 290 to a 305. Pete Alonso, we all know what this gentleman is capable of. 
95 RBI entering it yesterday with 29 home runs. Both of those in the top five of the big leagues while hitting about a 280. Francisco Lindor has had a renaissance season. His north of 70 RBI, that's in the top seven in the league as well. Brandon Nimmo does a good job of being able to move the line. Do you have my question marks when it comes to this Mets bullpen a little bit? It's been relatively solid, but Seth Lugo hasn't necessarily been what we expected him to be this season. Michael Givens since coming over at the trade deadline hasn't necessarily been too tremendous. Adonis Medina is a little bit of a long guy. Edwin Diaz obviously is rock solid. And then with the Reds, worst bullpen in terms of ERA out there in the big leagues. Alexis Diaz has been absolutely tremendous for the team, but maybe deal with an injury to Jeff Hoffman and then you got guys like Luis Sessa, Revier Sim, Marnian Gabo, Ryan Hendricks, Joel Kunal. You're able to go down the list of guys with north of a 5 ERA. And even with Mike Miner being a major disappointment, just one of these spots in which we've gotten up a little bit too lofty here. I'm willing to take a plus 250 on the Reds. Do wind up setting my total and an 8.3. Very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in New York. So I'm going to be looking at the under, and I'm going to be looking at the Mondo number with the Reds. 9 of 5, 9 of 6 on the bank board. The Washington Nationals, they're on the road. They're facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Marcus Roman is going to be going for the Cubs, and Paulo Espino is going to be on the bump for Washington. No total up on this game. It is a Wrigley Field game now. I can tell you that looks like we're going to be getting the wind blowing in in this one, so I did wind up setting my total at a 7.7 to where 7.5 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over and 8 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under, but we do have money lines right now. Cubs anywhere between minus 180 and minus 190 favorites, and with the Washington Nationals, find them anywhere between plus 160 and plus 168. Now, this is a circumstance which I do think that Paulo Espino is going to be able to give you a couple relatively solid innings, but the one fear that you've got with Paulo Espino as well is that we have seen it from him really throughout his career. Coming out of the bullpen, he has actually been very solid for this Washington Nationals team. When he winds up being in the role of starter, things wind up going straight down the toilet bowl, and for Marcus Stroman, things have actually went down the toilet bowl whenever he's been at home as well. I think that it's been a matter of circumstance, though, because I always mention when we do wind up having these Wrigley Field games that a lot of it does wind up being based on the wind, whether it's blowing out, whether it's blowing in, and Marcus Stroman has just wound up drawing the short end of the stick in the games in which the wind is blowing out, so that is why you wind up seeing the big giant split between his home and road ERA, 226 road ERA, compared to a 794 ERA at almost six home runs at 22 and two-thirds eggs, given up at home. Four bombs and 51 and two-thirds eggs, given up on the road, so I do think that that's going to be able to even itself out, and for Apollo Espino, I do think that this is going to help him out as well, because the big thing with him is that he has been giving up the deep ball quite a bit this season, but I do think that there is something to him being much more effective out of the bullpen for Espino. 26 and two-thirds eggs 20 appearances out of the bullpen, 203 ERA. Ever since he's been elevated to a starter, 552 ERA, giving up 13 bombs and 44 innings. That is right around 2.6 home runs per nine innings. That is absolutely grody right there. So that is a big giant issue. And then for the Washington Nationals, as we know, they wind up selling off some pieces. Not so terrific for this bunch as right now you're taking a look at guys like Elaine Thomas, who has been able to give you right around 10 home runs, sitting in the neighborhood about a 240. He's been able to move the line a little bit for this team. Michael Franco is in there. And Luke Voigt and they will give the team a double-digit amount of homers, but certainly not the same lineup as to when you wind up having Josh Bell and Juan Soto out there. Give a shout-out to Luis Garcia. He's been able to 290 for the team. And for the Cubs, you do have two good batchers in Wilson Contreras along with Patrick Wisdom and combined 36 home runs entering into yesterday. And then with Contreras, they're on their Ian app as well. Both of these guys right around a 360 on base. Eco Horner, he's been able to 295 
Christopher Morrell has been able to do a solid job of being able to move the line for the team as well. You need a little bit more from guys like Nelson Velasquez, Nick Madrigal, but it's an okay lineup. And we have seen Rowan Wick out there in the bullpen for this Cubs team as well. Be able to pick it up a little bit was a very rough go of it during the summer months, but over the last 30 days, it's been posting up right around at 3 ERA. Anderson Espinosa has been able to do a solid job for the team as well. Flip side for the Washington Nationals over the last 50 days. This has been about a league average bullpen. Whenever they don't wind up having Patrick Corbin go out there and only deliver two outs, that puts any sort of a bullpen in a bad spot as C.C. Shack, along Kyle Finnegan, these guys are veterans. They got off to rough starts to the season, but they've been able to pick it up a little bit since then. You also do take a look at someone like Carl Woods Jr. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort now. You do have guys like Victor Arano that you want absolutely no part of, but bullpen, neither great nor terrible, which is why I did wind up setting a little bit of a lower total in this one. And for anyone that's looking at a run line, you're not going to have that until we do wind up having a total in the AM as well, because typically the run lines are a little bit correlated. In a higher scoring game, it's easier to be able to get a multiple run win rather than when it's a lower scoring game. So that explains that. But with the Cubs, made them a minus 194 favorite. And in this spot, I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 105 on the run line. So when it's all said and done, most likely looking at a Cubs run line subject to a little bit of change, Joe. And like I said, 7.5 or less, looking at the over 8 or higher to the under. As we go 9 of 7, 9 or 8 on the betting board, it is the St. Louis Cardinals in the red faceoff against the Colorado Rockies. Ryan Feltner is going to be going for the Rockies. And it is Miles Michaelis, who's going to be on the bump for the cards. The Cardinals between minus 170 and minus 175 favorites between plus 150 and plus 160. Your price on Colorado 11 is your total. The over and the under are both at minus 110 and Dubai is saying my total and an 11.1 so I'm going to be on the over with Miles Michaelis. It's been a very solid season for him thus far but he is a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy. I don't think that Coors is necessarily going to be playing to his strengths and then he did take a look at the flip side for Ryan Feltner and I don't know if he has any strengths whatsoever as for Feltner he's been getting right around 8.5 strikeouts per 9 innings which is not bad but his home runs per 9 rate north of a 1.5 has been doing a solid job of not giving up a lot of walks and you could say that for both of these guys. Miles Michaelis fewer than 2 walks per 9 innings. Feltner right around 2.3, 2.4 walks per 9 innings so he's been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the 4 for the Rockies. This is a bottom 5 bullpen out there in the big leagues. Daniel Bard has been able to do a solid job at Alex Calme. He's had his ups and downs recently. Jake Bird over the last 30 days. It has really went sour on him. He's out, got north of a 5 ERA. Lucas Gobreth, when he's at home, has actually been relatively solid. He's got a 237 home ERA compared to a 530 ERA on the road, so that no doubt is an issue. But the good news for the Colorado Rockies is that they are back at home, and for this Colorado Rockies team, it is night and day as compared to when they are on the road, as they get right around 0.6 home runs per game when they're on the road, right around 1.2 home runs per game at home. C.J. Crone, for instance, he's got 22 home runs thus far this season. All but six of them have on coming at home. Brandon Rogers, he's got 10 bombs. All but one of them have on coming at home. This is a Colorado Rockies team that they see right around a 40-point boost in terms of their batting average, and then just in terms of the sheer runs per game that they wind up getting as well. This is a Colorado Rockies bunch that they wind up averaging nearly 5.7-ish runs per game when they're at home, right around 3.2 to 3.3 runs per game on the road. Then you take a look at the flip side for the St. Louis Cardinals, and certainly have a team that's able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball, as you've got Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, 
pair of guys with a combined 46 home runs. Goldschmidt right now, the odds on favorite to be able to win National League MVP. He has been able to do an amazing job in the north of a 400 on base, but pass that Dylan Carlson. He's had his ups and his downs this season, but still has been able to do a solid job of being able to move the line for this team. Nolan Gorman, he's already had multiple two-run home run games thus far this season. It's had a little bit of a struggle recently, but I do think that he's going to be able to pick it up. Lars Newtbar, after he wound up having a, shall we say, struggle to begin the season, he's been able to do a better job as well as he's hitting above a 300 over the last 30 days for this Cardinals team, and the Cardinals they certainly are much more equipped out there in the bullpen. Jordan Nix, ever since they wound up moving him away from the starter spot, has been able to look quite a bit better for this team. They've been able to utilize guys like Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera very well. Both of these guys, a sub-3-3 ERA Ryan Elsley has been just absolutely incredible with a sub-1 ERA as well. So I do feel like the St. Louis Cardinals should be a relatively sizable favorite. I did wind up saying them more in that minus-170 range as well. I settled on a minus-171. Big thing is, run line, I was willing to lay up to a minus-115 on the Cardinals on the run line. Find this right now anywhere between minus-112 to a minus-115. So it's pretty much at the max I'm willing to lay on the run line, but I'm going to be willing to take the run line up to a minus-115 with the Cardinals, and I'm going to be taking a look at this 11 over as well. 909910 on the betting board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They threw it. They're going to be facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Thompson gets a start for the Pirates and Tommy Henry on the bump for Arizona and Arizona in between a minus 150 to a minus 155 favorite and between plus 135 and plus 142 your price on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Eight and a half is your total over is minus 120. The under is even seeing a straight nine out there on the nine. The under is minus 120 and the over is even and do you think that the number has went up a little bit too much on our good friend, Mr. Henry, I did wind up setting the Pirates where I would need at least a plus 139 to take a shot on them. We're a little bit north of 140, so I'm going to be willing to ride it with Henry. He wasn't bad at the minor league level, but he wasn't terrific at the minor league level. His first start, he wound up giving up four runs over the course of five innings against the Cleveland Guardians. It was a case in which command wound up hurting him quite a bit, and I do think that that's a big fear that you do have with him because he's not backed up by the world's greatest bullpen over there with the Diamondbacks are in the bottom 10 in the big leagues. Now, what you do have when it comes to this Diamondbacks bullpen. It's a pair of guys that you're able to rely upon as Joe Mantiply has been able to give you a sub-2-5 ERA and then Kyle Nelson has been able to do a relatively solid job as well, but with Mr. Henry, you take a look back as to what he was able to do at the AAA level this season and wound up posting up at 383 ERA. Now, it was in the PCL, which is a little bit of a juice ball league, but those 3.7 walks per nine innings that I do think could wind up being his undoing. And then on the flip side for Zach Thompson, the big thing for him is just keeping down the deep ball. That has killed him all season long. 1.7 home runs per nine innings. He's been giving up right around 6.3 strikeouts per nine innings. The ERA of a 5.15, that is relatively grody. But if you do take a look outside of what he wound up doing in April, because he wound up having a really, really bad start to the season, he was able to really hone it in from there. If you take a look from May until what we've gotten right now, ERA winds up shrinking to more of a respectable 4.16 down this time span. Still has been giving up over a home run and a half per nine innings, so that is a little bit of an issue, but certainly has been able to do a better job of not giving out as many free passes in the time span right around 2.8, 2.9 walks per nine innings. The bullpen for the Pittsburgh Pirates, it is in the bottom five over the last 45 days, but a lot of it has been bad luck fielding independent as I match up with that bullpen ERA as Will Crow along Chase Younger able to give you multiple innings. Both of these guys have a sub-3-5 ERA, and you've been able to have Jordi De Los Santos be able to do a solid job out there in this bullpen as well. And then you did take a look at the lineups, 
Both of these teams having a tough time being able to play at DePaul, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've got more guys that are able to move the line for this team as you've been able to have Michael Chavis coupled with Topeka, Matacano, the, both of these guys in between about a 242 250. Ben Gamble's hitting right around 242 as well. And then Brian Reynolds, 16 bombs. He's hitting a 260. Kevin Newman done a nice job of being able to move the line. Brian Hayes has been a little bit out of the fold. He has been solid as well. But then you take a look at guys like Greg Allen, Cal Mitchell, O'Neill Cruz, Madaris, guys like this. It's been a little bit tough. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, got your albatrosses on this team as well. Sergio Alcantara, Seth Beer, Geraldo Perdomo, really the entirety of the catcher spot, Christian Walker, all these guys earning a 220 or lower, but with Christian Walker, 26 home runs. Big thing for the Arizona Diamondbacks is that once their powers come on the road, nearly 1.4 home runs per game when they're on the road, right around a home run per game at home. Now you do have Keitel Marte and Josh Rojas in between about a 262, 270, Alec Thomas, along with even Jake McCarthy. These guys have been able to move the line as well, but I do think that the numbers gotten up a little bit too lofty with Tommy Henry. Wasn't bad out there at the AAA level, but I do think that the command is going to knock him out of this game early. I do think that Thompson is main bugaboo being the deep ball. He's probably going to wind up giving up one in this one as well. So I do think that this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game with these bullpens. So I might tell it a 9.2. Looking over anything of a plus 140 or greater, we'll take a shot on Pittsburgh as well. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is the San Francisco Giants on the road facing off against the Slam Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the pods. And Alex Cobb is going to be on the bump for San Francisco. San Francisco between a plus 150 to a plus 158 underdog. And between minus 165 and minus 175, your price on Slam Diego. 7 to 7.5 is your total. On the 7, the over is minus 120. The under is even on the 7.5. Under is minus 115. And the over is minus 105. Needed at least a plus 168 to be able to take a shot on the Giants. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're finding the Padres being anywhere between a plus 115 to a plus 120. I would need at least a plus 120 to be able to take a shot on the Padres, but if we do wind up getting that plus 120, that's where I'd be taking a look, and we have seen this summer balloon quite a bit on the San Francisco Giants. I am in a little bit more of wait-and-see mode. I think when it's all said and done, I'm going to take a plus 120 with the Padres if these numbers wind up withholding, but I mean, if we wind up getting to like a plus 170, which we could wind up seeing this line movement once again, you do take a look at what we wound up getting on Monday. The San Diego Padres, they open up right around a minus 170 favorite. They wound up getting ballooned to north of a minus 180, and that just wound up becoming unpalatable for me. We could wind up seeing sort of a similar circumstance in this game, but as of right now, I would be taking a look at that San Diego Padres run line because with Joe Musgrove, he has been having a little bit of an issue ever since his first 12 starts of the year. He wound up giving up two runs or fear and went six plus innings in every one of them. Has hit some bumps in the road ever since then. Four plus runs surrendered in three out of his last five starts, but Sells may would do a very solid job at home thus far this season with a 3.07 ERA, giving up six home runs, 55 and two thirds innings. Has actually been a little bit better on the road with six bombs given up in 64 and a third innings and a 2.94 ERA, but you know that he's going to be able to deliver some length, giving up right around two walks per nine innings. And for Alex Cobb, it's just been a whole bunch of unluckiness from thus far this season as his home runs per nine rate is 0.6, and yet he still has north of a four ERA. He's given up right around 2.6 walks per nine innings, strikeouts per nine rate, right around nine and a half. On the road, he's got a 6.03 ERA. And Alex Cobb, no doubt, you're typically going to have some home and road splits with someone like this because, well, when you wind up pitching in San Francisco, it is relatively pitcher-friendly, so you got to figure that going to Petco is going to help him out a little bit, but fielding independent of his is a 2.84. That is right around 1.2 points lower than his ERA. He has been very unlucky on the balls that have been 
put in play on him as opponents overall. They're hitting north of a 260 off of him. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression here for Cobb. The problem is he's backed up by a bullpen that has been really bad. You do have John Brebbia, Camilio Duvall, Jarlon Garcia. Let's get up right around a 3-4 ERA or better. But Tyler Rogers has been having a relatively rough season. Junior Marte is someone that you can't trust in. You've been having your ups and downs with Dominique Leon as well. And then for the San Diego Padres, Isabel Crisman has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Tim Hill, really over the last 45 days, has been able to refine it. He wound up having a rough start to the season, but over the last 30 days, has not given up a single earned run. So he's been able to do a solid job. The team obviously picks up Josh Hader. And then you do take a look at the lineup itself for the San Diego Padres. They pick up a pair of guys with north of 20 home runs at the trade deadline in Juan Soto along with Brandon Drury. Now, Manny Machado has been seeing a little bit of a fall off in terms of his numbers ever since the beginning of the month of July, hitting in the neighborhood about a 225, but you do have Awesome Kim. You're able to throw in there Austin Supernola, Drixon profiling between about a 245 to 255. Josh Bell, underrated guy that wanted coming over in that trade as well. He's been able to hit right around a 300 all season long. And for the San Francisco Giants, I just still have no idea how this team is in the top eight in the big leagues in terms of runs generated per game as Wilmer Flores and Jack Peterson are really the only two guys that have north of 11 home runs for the team. Both of these guys hanging in that pocket about a 240 to a 250 Evan Gloria, J.D. Davis. They're in that fold as well. You've been able to have a little bit of production out of Austin Slater and Luis Gonzalez are in between about a 270 to a 275. But I mean, you take a look at some of these guys like Joey Bart, Brandon Crawford. When he was out there, Darren Ruff, Mikey Strzemski hitting a 225 or lower and it just is a little bit strange as to how the Giants have been able to generate their runs. Obviously, San Diego, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but you do have a less than trustworthy bullpen of the Giants. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot. So my total at some point six, so whether it is a 7 or a 7.5, I'm going to be looking over. Would need at least a plus 120 on that Padres run line, but where I'm looking is the plus 120 on that Padres run line. 9.13, 9.14, going to be in conjecture with 9.19, 9.20. This is a double dip between the Chicago White Sox and the Kansas City Royals. Right now, it's looking like we're going to get a rematch of last week in game number one where Lance Lynn winds up taking the bump for the White Sox and Brady Singer is going to be going for the Royals now. I will throw out there right now. Subject to some change, we always wind up seeing this with doubleheaders. It's very hard to be able to keep them straight, but right now in game two, I'm going off of a Fangraphs projection in this one. They are projecting that it is going to be Davis Martin going up against John Heasley, and if you do wind up having this being the pairing, it's pretty much going to be a flipper rooney With Singer against Lynn, I wind up setting Singer at a minus 132. With Davis Martin against John Heasley, White Sox with Martin a minus 136 favorite. So, I'm looking in the minus 130-ish range in both of these, but when it comes to Lance Lynn and him taking the mound, even if he winds going up against John Easley, he's going to have a little bit of a rough time of it as you just take a look at Lynn's starts thus far this season. He has had, I believe, three starts in which he's allowed fewer than three runs. Thus far, he has given up at least five runs in now three out of his last five starts. His ERA, it is at a 587. He's been bad at home. He's been bad on the road. 791 road ERA, as a matter of fact. For our good friend Lance Lynn in his four starts, he's given up four bombs in 19 and a third innings. Opponents overall are hitting at 269 off of him. He's actually been able to get swings and misses. Right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Command is not off, but he's also been giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings. Now, to the credit of Lance Lynn, last time he faced off against the Kansas City Royals, gave up one run over the course of six innings. That was a very quality start for him, but... 
or else have been able to find their form in terms of their offense. MJ Melendez had three home runs in that series against the Boston Red Sox by B. Witt Jr. He's been a little bit in and out of the fold, but when he's been out there, he has been rock solid hitting for 15 home runs. Has been able to hit nearly a 300 over the last three days for this bunch. Now, guys like Salvador Perez, Nick Prado, Vinny Basquinto, Kyle Isbell, these are guys hitting a 225 or lower in terms of their batting average, but Perez has been able to find it with the power of Michael Massey and limited at-bats. He has looked relatively solid for this Kansas City Royals team as well. And for the White Sox, to their credit, they actually own the best batting average on the road in baseball this year, hitting nearly a 270 as a collective. It seems like there might be a little bit of a ref with Tim Anderson and the rest of the team, but as long as he goes out there and performs, who really cares? As you've got he, Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, all these guys hitting north of a 295. The problem for the White Sox has been they rank in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of home run power. The only guy with north of 12 home runs as far this season has been Jose Abreu, as you've had a lot of guys that have been scuffling a little bit now. Getting back Eloy Jimenez has been very big for this team. He has been able to do a very solid job in a limited amount of at-bats. He's been able to overall for the season about a 285, getting a home run in every fewer than 20 or so at-bats. So that's solid. And for the White Sox, bullpen has been looking a little bit better recently. Jimmy Lambert has been a godsend for this team, a former starter that could give you multiple innings in either Game 1 or Game 2. And then on top of that, Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman. These guys have been nice, but when you wind up getting into guys like Tanner Banks, Mac Foster, and then... Oh, Joe Kelly, who's got his north of a 5 ERA going. These are not necessarily too trustworthy pieces. And for the Kansas City Royals, their deadlines in the American League in terms of their bullpen ERA overall for the season. Though you've seen Taylor Clark be able to step it up. He's got a sub-3 ERA over the last 45 days. Amir Garrett is just a waste of money. He's got north of a 5 ERA. Wyatt Mills has not necessarily been good as well. And Joe Payops has had his ups and his downs this season. A 325 ERA overall, more like a 440 over the last 30 days. But he's been able to deliver some innings. He's able to give you a little bit of length. Luke Weaver is a former starter that they want to picking up as well, but I do think that this is a case in which Brady Singer is going to go out in game one and is going to be able to look very solid. You take a look at Singer and he did wind up giving up four runs inside a start against the Chicago White Sox, but really prior to that start, had given up three runs or fewer in each out of his previous five. As a matter of fact, in the month of July, wound up posting up a 205 ERA, giving up two home runs in 30 and two-thirds innings ever since getting recalled from the minor leagues. He has been rock solid, has been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road. 381 home ERA compared to a 347 ERA on the road with eight home runs, giving up in 54 and a third innings at home. I do think that going up against the White Sox, a team that they do a great job of being able to make contact, not such a great job of being able to generate power that is going to be all up, I'm out. And I do think that both of these teams put up runs in this game. Nine or less, I'm looking at an over. Nine and a half higher to the under. Set the Royals minus 132 here. And then if we do wind up getting Davis Martin against John Heasley, I give the edge to Davis Martin. I wound up setting him as a minus 136 favorite. Now, the one trepidation that you do wind up having with Davis Martin is that it's always interesting to take a look at guys that they wind up going from sort of being a starter to coming out of the bullpen to being a starter. And he has been utilized in a wide variety of ways for this White Sox team when he's gotten his opportunities. It's been a little bit up and down, 475 ERA overall, but... Does a good job with command, 2.7 walks per nine innings. Has again strikeouts at the major league level, but that's a small sample size at the minor league level thus far this season. 12 punch outs per nine innings. A little bit of a Texas Tech product that I think that given a little bit of consistency actually could be able to do some nice things in the league. And then whenever John Easley has taken them out, it has not been great. For this Kansas City Royals team, he has 1-6 in his 12 starts, having given up 1.8 gopher balls per 9 innings. The big thing with him is really the command, though. 
four and a half walks per nine innings while getting just 6.6 strikeouts per nine innings. This guy is just not major league quality at this point. And you just take a look at this Royals team. They have went three and nine overall in his starts as far this season. And I mean, he has given up at least four runs and now four out of his last five starts. This is going to be really his second start since July 9th. So you've got a little bit of a layoff there, but over the course of his last five starts, you've got a gentleman in Mr. Heasley who has been giving up an ERA that is north of nine. Opponent's batting average of a 330. This guy is just getting absolutely tattooed, and he's backed up by a bad bullpen as well. This is going to be a spot if we do wind up getting Martin against Heasley, which are nine and a half or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over a 10 or higher to the under, making the White Sox minus 136 favorites there. Obviously, subject to a little bit of change, so hopefully, I was able to give you some good stuff there. As we go 915, 916 on the betting board, it is the Toronto Blue Jays. They throw it face off against the Baltimore Orioles. As you've got Alec Manoa. Manoa Woody is going to be going for the Jays, and Kyle Bradish is going to be on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is between a plus 155 to a plus 162 underdog. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Blue Jays, it is anywhere between minus 168 and minus 188.5 is your total. The over is minus 115, the under is minus 105, and I need at least a plus 184 to take a shot on the Orioles. Was able to get behind them yesterday with fading Yusei Kikuchi, but Kyle Bradish is the biggest albatross right now among these Baltimore Orioles starters, and if you're taking a look at the run line of the Toronto Blue Jays, you're finding it in a lot of spots, right around a minus 105 to a minus 110, which is actually a very palatable number, in my opinion. I was willing to lay up to a minus 112, so that's where I'm going to be looking, just because Alec Manoa has been absolutely tremendous for this Toronto Blue Jays team. Overall this season, 245 ERA, giving up right around .8 home runs per nine innings. His strikeout numbers are down from last season, but it's allowed him to be able to go deeper because his command has been better. He's only been giving up right around two walks per nine innings. As a matter of fact, 243 road area compared to 248 at home, so he's been a little bit better when he's left Toronto, and then you do take a look at Kyle Bradish, and I mean, it's just a little bit of a hot mess right now. He is coming off of a pair of very good starts back-to-back. He combined three runs surrendered in 10 innings, and it starts against the Rangers and the Cincinnati Reds. That is against the Rangers and the Cincinnati Reds, though, and prior to that, in his previous two starts, I combined 11 runs, give it up in 8 and 2 thirds innings against the Rays, and you guessed it, the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, that was a road start against the Blue Jays, but they were able to light him up. He's got a 675 ERA overall this season at home, and at home, 9 home runs, give it up in 33 and a third innings. That is a big, giant issue against the Toronto Blue Jays team that they're able to get after it, and they're able to do a good job of being able to put back to ball as Plaguero Jr. Sitting right around 290 for this bunch. He's been able to go deep north of 22 times. And Matt Chapman now has 22 home runs with him going deep yesterday. And you take a look at Chappie. He's been able to hit right around at 300 over the last three days. He has really been able to pick it up with his bat this season. Teoscar Hernandez along with Remy Altapia. Both of these guys are hitting at 275. Significantly better than that recently as well. Both of these guys really being able to pick it up after rough starts to the season. Boba Chet, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of bombs. He's got right around a 260 batting average as well. They are dealing with an injury to George Springer, but a little bit more than what the Orioles are able to offer to the table. Now, with the Orioles, you do have a lot of balance. Pretty much your one through five options, only between about a 247 to a 260 in Ramon Odias, along with Anthony Santander, Adley Rushman, Ryan McKenna, Ryan Mountcastle, Austin to say his kids. So, that's been solid in for Santander. He's been the main matcher for the team. 20 home runs. You've got Mountcastle going deep 15 times as well. Ode Mateo, though, I think that he's worth taking note of. He's right now leading the American League in stolen bases, and for Mr. Mateo, above a 300 over the last 30 days. He's got a little bit of pop in the bat as well, where the Orioles are going to have the advantage. That would be in the bullpen, as you've got a lot of guys that have been absolutely stellar for this team. Keegan Aiken it's up to a right around a 260 ERA, but Joey Creeble, Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, all these guys giving you a sub 
250 ERA as well. Problem is, I just think the Bradish might wind up lighting this game on fire before they do wind up getting to those arms. And for the Blue Jays, over the last 45 days, this has been a top 10 bullpen of their own. As you've been able to have David Phelps, coupled with Jordan Romano, Adam Simber, Yimmy Garcia, these guys have been able to do a good job of being able to post up some nice innings, providing a sub 3-3 ERA. They pick up Anthony Bass now. They are without Tim Mazer right now. That is a little bit of a loss for them, but I do think that the Baltimore Orioles should be able to get a relatively good performance out of the bullpen. Not such a great start on a Brady show, which is why I did wind up saying my total at 8.3. I think that the bullpen saves its total to the under, but with Manoa and company, one to lay up to a minus 113 on the run line of the Blue Jays. So looking Jays run line and looking at this total under 917-918 on the betting board. It is the Cleveland Guardians. They are going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Detroit Tigers. Shane Bieber fever is going to be making believers out of all of us for the Guardians and Tyler Alexander is on the bump. For Detroit, Detroit, and between plus 160 and plus 170 underdogs. And with Cleveland, find them between minus 180 and minus 197. Half is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. The over, and it's the same, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And now this comes down to the run line. Was willing to lay up to a minus 118 with the Guardians. Right now I'm fighting it at a minus 110, so I'm going to be in on this. Shane Bieber wound up having a relatively rough stretch in which he wound up giving up three plus runs in five out of six starts, but ever since that rough stretch, he has been able to find himself once again, not quite looking like the Cy Young Shane Bieber, but still he has given up a combined three runs in his last two starts, going a combined 13 innings against the Tampa Bay Rays and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, obviously not some of the world's greatest lineups, but actually probably a little bit better than what you're going to be able to get on the Detroit Tigers as for the Tigers, it has been all sorts of awful. Right now, this is a bunch that they've got 65 home runs. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo, I believe, have a combined 70 for the New York Yankees. It might be 69, but I mean, those two guys alone have more home runs than this entire Detroit Tigers team. And for the Tigers, Javi Baez is up to a 223 with his batting average. I guess we should throw a parade for that. Victor Reyes, Miguel Cabrera, they've been able to move the line. And I do like what I'm seeing out of Riley Green, but from there, Jameer Candelario, Akil Badu, Cody Clements, Tucker Barnard, Jonathan Scope, all these guys hitting a 210 or lower. Robbie Grossman got chipped off or else he'd be in on this. Spencer Torkelson was so bad that he wanted getting sent down to AAA. But with the Detroit Tigers, what you also have with the team is a top six bullpen in terms of ERAs. All these guys have been able to do a relatively masterful job. Alex Lang, along with Joe Jimenez, Gregory Soto, they've all been locked down. Aside from Soto, what we wound up seeing on Sunday, that was not great where he wound up giving up five runs against the Tampa Bay Rays. And even with that, he still has a 3-2 ERA. Andrew Chafin has been able to do a very solid job in this bullpen as well. For the Cleveland Guardians, they've got some guys that you're able to rely upon on this bullpen as well. Sam Antiges and Eli Morgan have seen a little bit of regression after they were failed starters. I wanted getting off to very solid starts in the bullpen earlier this season, but Emmanuel Classe has been absolutely lights out for the team. James Karinchuk, Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven, all these guys giving you a sub 2-6 ERA. Aniel De Los Santos has been able to do a solid job as well for the Cleveland Guardians. A contact team that is not going to give you a whole bunch of home runs, but what I will say about the Guardians is that as far this season, they've got 86 home runs. Many of them have wound up coming on the road as out of those 86 home runs, only 32 have been at home. So they've been able to wind up going deep 54 times on the road thus far this season. And for the Guardians, you've got very much a balanced lineup as you've got Oscar Gonzalez, Throwing there Steven Kwan, Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, Amid Rosario, Steven Kwan, all these guys doing a good job hitting at 270 or greater. You're able to throw in there Josh Chandler as well. The main manager for this team, obviously, is Jose Ramirez as he has been able to crank out 87 RBI, 21 home runs as far as the season.
season. And I do think that the Guardians, they have enough behind Shane Bieber, who still is able to get right around nine punch shots per nine innings to be able to get it done because for Tyler Alexander, in his starts, hasn't been great, hasn't been terrible. In his two starts since returning, he's... Probably going to give this length again, but four innings against Toronto, giving up three runs, two of which were earned. Gave up two runs against the Minnesota Twins in five innings. That's sort of what you expect with him. Never has been a high strikeout guy. As a matter of fact, much of the season he wanted coming out of the bullpen, and he gets a strikeouts per nine rate of right around about five, five and a half-ish. He is someone that is a little bit prone to the deep ball, but has been able to do a good job of being able to sort of knock that down this season with a little bit over a home run per nine innings. So I do think that's going to be a steady start for the Tigers. I just don't think that they're going to get any offense whatsoever. So looking at the Guardians on the run line, I think that they get just enough to be able to cover it. And set my total at 6.8, so I'm looking at the under as well. 990, 9.20 was a part of Royals versus White Sox. So we go 9.21, 9.22 on the bang board. The Walker Texas Rangers are going to be in the road faceoff against the Houston Astros. Jose Arikidi is going to be on for the Strohs, and Marti Perez is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being a relatively sizable underdog. Currently, you're finding them in between plus 160 and plus 165. Meanwhile, for Houston, you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 170 and minus 190. 8-7.5 is your total on the 7.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8. The under is minus 120, and the over is even. I need a penny more to take a shot on the Rangers. I need at least a plus 166. When it's all said and done, I'm pretty sure that that is going to be the side that I'm taking. And if I were to take a look at the Astros, would need at least a plus 130 on the run line right now, seeing a spattering of anywhere between plus 125 to a plus 130. Like I said, when it's all said and done, I do think that this is going to be a play on the Rangers. We're going to see how the line winds moving overnight, but currently that is the expectation of myself. But when it comes to Martin Perez, has been able to put up a very, very good season here for the Texas Rangers. And the big thing is he's keeping the ball in the air, giving up right around .65 home runs per nine innings, has been able to post up a masterful 247 ERA, and has really been able to knock down on the walks as he was giving up 3.8 walks per nine innings between the 2018 to the 2020 seasons when he was really struggling this season. He has been able to give out more of like 2.4 walks per nine innings, and he comes in in very good form. He has given up approximately one run in each out of his last four starts, and two of those starts came on the road against Oakland and L.A. Now, obviously, those are confidence boosters right there. Both of those teams are having a tough time being able to put back to ball, but for Martin Perez this season, 5-0 record in decisions with a 2.26 ERA away from home with three palms given up in 67 and two-thirds settings. Now, he's going to be going up against the Houston Astros lineup that, as we know, they wind up picking up Trey Boom Mancini. He's already got three home runs since joining the team. Jordan Alvarez has been incredible for this bunch. He's been able to above a 300. He's been able to crank out 30 home runs, and you've really got balanced power after Jordan Alvarez, who has been the main matcher for the team as Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker. Both of these guys have been able to give you 19 home runs now with Tucker out for much of that series against the Cleveland Guardians. He did wind up, I believe, pinch hitting, so he should be good to go in this one. That is going to be a little bit of upgrade for the Astros. And then, that said, you've been dealing with a little bit of a ailment to Alex Bregman as well. When he's been out there, he, Jeremy Pena, along with Tucker, only between about a 240 to a 250. And LMND, he has been sort of an up-and-down player thus far this season, but take a look at what he's done over the last three days. He's got right around a 370 on base. That has been solid. And for the Astros, where they're really able to lock this thing down and why 
I would need at least a plus 166 to take a shot on the Rangers rather than a little bit of a lower number. Bullpen has been amazing. Seth Martinez, Ryan Stanek, along with Rafael Montero, all have been able to give you a sub 2-3 ERA. Now, Will Smith is not necessarily a guy that I trust and they picked him up at the trade deadline, but you do have Brian Abreu who's been able to do a very solid job. Ryan Presley, he's been terrific as well. And for the Texas Rangers, over the last 30 days, this has been a bottom five bullpen in terms of ERA. Gary Richards, Santa Santana, went straight down the toilet bowl. Both of their ERAs over the last 45 days north of 10. Santana, I believe, is now on the injured list because he was just pitching so bad. Jonathan Hernandez has been relatively solid out there in the bullpen at Brockburg along with Matt Moore. Both of these guys posting up sub-2-3 ERAs. And when it comes to the Texas Rangers lineup, you've got relatively balanced power. The one guy that has really been able to leap out, that'd be Corey Seager. He's been able to go deep 24 times, hitting in the neighborhood about a 250. But then you've got Marcus Simeon along with Adelise Garcia. He combined 33 home runs. Both of these guys hitting between about a 242, 215, 8 low, 285 average, 16 bombs, doing a high has been able to go deep 13 times. He's been able to do a good job, and really, the catcher spot in general has been a good one for this team. Leody Tavares has been able to hit 300, so I do think that the Rangers have some value. Once again, what I'm taking a look at, most likely when it's all said and done, going to be a play on the Rangers money line, but it's going to depend a little bit on late night movement, and I do mind him saying my toll at 8.1. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here for Martin Perez, but I do think that he offers a little bit of value against a guy in Jose Urikidi, who has been very good at home, not so great on the road for Urikidi, 230 home ERA, 483 road ERA, with 6 out of his 17 home runs being given up at home. Very much a pitcher contact guy, though. I will say, at home, he gets 9 strikeouts per 9 innings on the road. That winds up falling to more like 5.5 to 6, which is a little bit befuddling for Urtikidi as well. He's been giving up right around 2 walks per 9 innings. So I do think that both of these pitchers see a little bit of regression here. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. When it's all said and done, I expect to be on the Rangers as well. 9.23, 9.24 on the main board. The LA Angels. They throw they're going to be facing off against the Oakland A's as Shohei Otani on the bump for the Angels. And James Caprillion, the cap, is going to be on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is an underdog of anywhere team plus 150. Seeing his eyes, plus 162. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Angels, it's anywhere team minus 170 and minus 175. Six and a half is your total. Over is between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And James Caprillion, under the radar, has been terrific for the Oakland A's recently. Needed at least a plus 150 to take a shot. We have gotten there. You take a look at the cap, and the cap is steering the ship to victory. Over his last four starts, 2-11 ERA, having given up two runs or fewer in every one of them. And for that matter, you take a look at James Caprillion, and each out of his last six starts, he has allowed three runs or fewer. They're actually able to date it back to each out of his last eight starts in which he has given up three runs or fewer, and the A's have been able to win his starts. They are 6-1 and one in his last seven starts, so he's really been able to find it after it was a really, really bad start to the season, and where Cabrillion has been able to pick things up is he has been able to limit the walks. So you take a look at it ever since the beginning of the month of July, 33 and a third innings. He's given up 11 walks, so right around three walks per nine innings as compared to his season average, which is hovering more in the neighborhood about a 3.7 to a 3.8, giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings in that span when you wind up getting six punch outs per nine innings. You need to do a good job with the command. He's been able to work on that. Meanwhile, Shoei Otani getting over 13 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been masterful, but he just has absolutely nothing around him. For the LA Angels, they have lost each out of his last three starts. In two of those starts, he wound up giving up two earned runs approximately, but I mean, you take a look at it, and the team has scored approximately two runs for him in his last three starts. So, that is not great right there. Meanwhile, prior to this little bit of a stretch, the team was actually doing a very good job of being able to win his starts. They had won each out of the previous six, but 
You need a little bit of help for Mr. Shoyo Otani. He's posted up a 283 ERA. He's able to get those swings and misses. Has done a very good job of being able to lock down on the walks, giving up right around 2.1 walks for nine innings. But this is an LA Angels team that I just cannot back in this spot because, once again, your main guy is Shoei Otani. He's been able to give the team 24 home runs, hitting right around 250. You know, I've seen a few guys you know, give the team a little bit of average. Luis Randifo, Taylor Ward, both of these guys hitting right around at 270 to 275. But Ward, over the last 30 days, he's hitting right around at 210. Jared Walsh is hitting below the middle line of a 200 over the last 45 days. He's been able to crank out 14 home runs. But then you've got Phil Goslin, Kurt Suzuki, Max Stassi, throwing their Mangodius Sierra. These guys are hitting at 215 or lower. And then for the Oakland A's, they are still showing signs of life as Seth Brown. He's got 17 home runs. He's hitting at 240. But you take a look at what Mr. Brown has been able to do over the last 30 days. He's been hitting more like a 324 with seven home runs in his last 71 at-bats. That is very encouraging. Ramon Laureano, Sean Murphy, maybe they will give you a combined 25 home runs. Murphy is now hitting at 250 for this team. Chad Binder, Alva Sanders, they're in between about a 240 to a 245. They've been able to pick it up as well. And for the Oakland A's, A.J. Puck, Sam Ball, Domingo, Acevedo, Zach Jackson, all been able to give you a 3-3 ERA or better out there in the bullpen. And for the LA Angels, you just don't have that. You've been able to have Jose Quijada be able to do a relatively solid job. And I'll give a little bit of credit where credit is due to Andrew Wants, a sub-3 ERA for the young guys. So it's been good, but Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, guys that you were expecting to have a relatively solid season. Both of these guys have come up snake eyes with north of a 4 ERA, so I do have the faith that Caprillion is going to be able to deliver a relatively solid start. I think that this total has gotten a little bit too low. A's actually have been averaging right around 3.9 runs per game ever since the All-Star break. I recognize that out there in Oakland, the ball doesn't travel very well, and I do think that Otani delivers a good start, but I think that the bullpen could wind up upchucking all over their shoes. Set my total at 6.8, so looking over, and we'll take north of a plus 150 here with the A's. 925-926 on the betting board. It is the New York Yankees. They are going to be on the road facing up against the Seattle Mariners as Luis Casio is going to be going for the M's and Garrett Coles on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees between minus 125 and minus 135 favors. Meanwhile, with the Seattle Mariners, anywhere between plus 112 and plus 120 is your price. Seven is the total over and under. Anywhere between minus 120 and even money. So, Lots of fluctuation. We'll underlay up to a minus 125 here with the Yankees. And minus 125 is pretty much a stop point, but I am going to be willing to lay it. I personally am going to be taking a look to see what winds up happening overnight because with the Yankees, typically the steam winds up coming in on them. So if I'm able to get north of a plus 125, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on them. But once again, this is a little bit of a wait and see scenario. And hey, we could wind up seeing a little bit of a strange spot in which perhaps we wind up seeing folks wind up fading the New York Yankees. I'm not necessarily planning on it, but with that said, we're keeping an open mind on this one as of right now on current numbers. We'll be willing to lay up to a minus 125 on the New York Yankees with Garrett Cole. The big trepidation that you have with him is that he just has been significantly worse on the road than he has been at home, and Garrett Cole has been putting up a great season. 356 ERA. Now, he's been a little bit unlucky on the balls in play because he has been able to generate 11 punch-outs per nine innings. You fully expect him to get a little bit of better luck rather than right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings, but Garrett Cole has always had a little bit of an issue throughout his career, really, other than the one amazing season they out there with the Masters of giving up the deep ball. That has manifested itself thus far this season. Now, if you take a look at Cole, he's got a 338 fielding independent compared to a 356 ERA, so a little bit of bad luck, but it's not like it's been completely awful, right around 2.3 bucks per nine innings. And for Luis Castillo, this guy has already done a tremendous job of going up against the New York Yankees. As a matter of fact, he's done it twice in Yankee Stadium over the last 45 days. He's been able to post up overall for the year, a 295 ERA first start against the Yankees. Does wind up giving up three runs in six and two-thirds innings. No 
shame there. Overall for the season, his fielding independent is a 326. So maybe getting a little bit lucky with the ball not going out of the yard. 0.8 home runs per nine innings surrendered. His three walks per nine, a little bit better than typically winds getting. He's been able to generate nine and a half bunch outs per nine innings. And when he has been on the road thus far this season, it's been a little bit more of a struggle for Castillo. Keep in mind, his whole ballpark for the entirety of the season was Great American Ballpark up until now. But I do think that he's going to be a lack of very well to Seattle and with the Mariners. The big thing for this team is that in terms of the lineup, Julio Rodriguez has been out for quite a while. He's someone that has been able to give the team 18 home runs. We all saw him during the All-Star break and the Home Run Derby. He was able to put on a show there, but you saw and Eugenio Suarez right around 325 on base. 18 home runs. Guys at the top are getting on base. Ty France all season long as we wait above a 300, but Adam Frazier, after he was terrible at the beginning of the season, sitting at 325 with a 380 on base over the last 30 days, he's really been able to pick it up. Now, Jesse Winker, overall for the season, sitting at 230 with 11 homers. That's not necessarily too impressive, but 381 on base over the last 30 days for him. Now, you do have guys like Cal Raleigh throwing there, Carlos Santamina, Abraham Toro. These guys have not been able to hit very well, but Mitch Hanniger, he's now back in the fold after he had north of 30 home runs last season. And for the Yankees, I mean, you got the boom squad with this team. Aaron Judge has been able to go D43 times. They've been dealing with the injuries to John Carlos Santana along with Anthony Rizzo, but and you've got DJ LeMayu with north of a 375 on base. Matt Carpenter, he's getting a home run every about eight and a half or so at bats. He's hitting above 300. Andrew Benintendi's hitting above 300. Jose Trevino, Isaiah Canera Falefa, in between a 265 to a 275. Trevino, double digit amount of home runs for him. For the Yankees, we have seen a little bit of regression in terms of Clay Holmes out there in the bullpen, but he, Wandy Peralta, still posting up sub three ERAs. Scott Efforts, I think, is a relatively good addition for the team. Albert Abreu has been able to give you a sub three ERA as well, but for the Seattle Mariners over the last 45 days, top bullpen in terms of ERA out there in the big leagues. Penn Murphy, Paul Sewell, these guys have been nice finds, being able to give you a sub 275 ERA. Andres Munoz, after a terrible start to the season, he's got his ERA back below three ever since he's been moved to the bullpen. Matt Brash, who was a failure of a starter, has been able to deliver some good stuff as well. So I do think that the Seattle Mariners might wind up having a little bit of value if the Yankees continue to get steamed. I'm going to lay up to a minus 125 with the Yankees, but I mean, if we wind up getting up to a plus 125, certainly would love to take a shot on Seattle as well. So we're going to be basing it on late night movement as of right now. At current numbers, I'd be willing to lay the minus 122, minus 123-ish that I'm seeing with the Yankees, but I'm personally going to be waiting until we wind up seeing some overnight movement with this, and I do wind up saying my total at 7.8 with the way that Cole has been pitching and the way that the Yankees hit. So, looking over and looking at the late night line movement in terms of the money line on this one, 927-928 on the bang board, it is the Boston Red Sox. They play OC Atlanta Braves as Charlie Martin is going to be on the bump for the Bravos, and Rich Hill is going to be on the bump for Boston. Boston is between a plus 135 to a plus 140 underdog between minus 150 and minus 155 your price on Atlanta. Nine and a half is your total over and under any between minus 105 and minus 115 and for the Braves was one way up to a minus 163 on the money line. If you look at the run line you're getting a plus price between plus 105 and plus 110. I was willing to lay a small number with the Atlanta Braves up to a minus 110 so I am in on Atlanta. This is a Boston Red Sox team that they are broken and they cannot get up at this point. It has been really really bad. Rich Hill is the oldest active starting pitcher in the big leagues at 42 years old. Gave up four runs in three innings and really his first start since July 1st. Looks like he is just too old to be going out there at this point. His strikeout numbers are down. He's only getting right in the neighborhood about 7.1 strikeouts per nine innings. The walk numbers aren't bad. A little bit under three walks per nine innings but he's been getting tattooed at home. 649 ERA at Fenway this season. Giving up six home runs in 26 and a third innings and all your prize is going up against the Atlanta Braves. It has Austin Riley who's been hitting north of a 360 over the last 30 days. 29 home runs for him and then got a whole bunch of guys that do a great job of being able to get on base as 
Dansby Swanson has been able to have 290. He's been able to deliver 16 home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr., 360 on base. Michael Harris, the second. He's got 10 bombs and 225 at-bats. He's hitting at 285. The entire country spot, Travis Arno, William Contreras, both of these guys a double-digit amount of bombs. Both of these guys hitting above a 255. Matt Olson has cooled down a little bit recently, but 21 home runs for him. He's been able to get on base. 335 on base in the Atlanta Braves. They've got the best bullpen ERA in the National League. They pick up Rossiel Iglesias at the trade deadline. A.J. Mitra has been rock solid. They've got Tyler Manzik off the injured list. Kenley Jansen. For those of you guys at Pet Run Lines, he has not been necessarily too great there, but even someone like a Jackson Stevens who is able to be utilized as a long guy. If he's got a sub-3 ERA over the last three days, he's been able to post up a 245. So that helps out this bunch. And for the Boston Red Sox, Darwinson Hernandez literally has a 20 ERA right now. That's not great for this bullpen. Caleb Ort, whenever they've thrown him out there, he has been an albatross for this team as well. Edekaza Satomoto over the last three days, north of a 5 ERA. John Schreiber, he's got a sub-2 ERA for the season, but it's really went on him. Really the only guy you could trust in is Garrett Woodlock, because even Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier have been terrible for this team. Now, when it comes to the Boston Red Sox, you do still have guys that are able to do a nice job of be able to move the line. Rafael Devers, 24 home runs, hitting above a 300. Xander Bogarts, 385-ish on base. J.D. Martinez, he has slipped a little bit, but I mean, he's been able to about a 280 for this team. You do take a look at Martinez and what he's been able to do here since the beginning of the month of July, and you do have some concerns with that regard as he's been hitting below the middle sign of 2-1. Having Trevor Story out the fold is an even bigger issue. Christian Arroyo, Alex Verdugo, both of these guys taking that pocket about a 265 to 270, but other than Rafael Devers, not a lot of power out there. And then for the Atlanta Braves, Charlie Morton ever since he wound up having a really rough start to the season. He's been able to pick it up in quite good fashion as he has now given up two runs or fewer in six out of his last eight starts. He did wind up having a little bit of clunker in his last road start against Philadelphia Phillies, but by and large, he's been able to do a good job of being a lockdown. Big thing for him is just being able to reduce the walks as uncharacteristically this year, Charlie Morton, a little bit over three and a half walks for nine innings. has been given up right around 1.2, 1.3 home runs for nine innings, but certainly has been able to do a good job of being able to give the team punch outs as he's been able to still get a little bit over 10 strikeouts for nine innings. This is just right now a dead side with the Boston Red Sox. They look completely lifeless out there. Set my total at a 9.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the under because I do think that Morton going to be able to sign me boss, and I do think that Richo winds up lending a couple of solid innings before the bullpen gives way in. has a little bit of a rough go of it. So looking at the Braves on the run line and the total under 929-930 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers playing us the Tampa Bay Rays. Jimmy Yacobonis is going to be going for the Rays and Freddie Peralta's on the bump for Milwaukee. It was actually supposed to be Brandon Woodruff at first. A little bit of a change of heart here from the Brewers to go with Peralta, which is why Circa is currently the only place that is posting up a number on this one. With the Brewers, you're able to find them at a minus 159. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to be finding them at a plus 145. Your total on this game, it is 8. The under is you saw minus 115, and the over is minus 105. And I wound up saying the Rays as a plus 143 underdog in this spot, so I'm going to be willing to take them. You're not really going to be getting J.B. Yacobonis in this spot. You're actually going to be getting Ryan Yarbrough, and I do like the fact that Ryan Yarbrough is going to be coming in out of the bullpen because you just take a look at his career numbers, and he is significantly better when an opener winds coming in from. Now, I know that there have been quite a few teams that have tried this with various pitchers. There are very few in which it winds up making any sort of a difference whatsoever for the Rays have found this with Ryan Yarbrough to actually be the case though because you take a look at what Yarbrough has been able to do throughout his career out of the bullpen 27-9 record with a 377 ERA. Now, record, you toss out the window a little bit more because as a reliever, it makes it a little bit easier to be able to get those wins. You're able to get it without going at full five innings, things like this. But 10-20 record as a starter, 
42 ERA as a starter, 377 ERA when he does wind up coming out of the bullpen. Strikeout to walk rate, actually a little bit better when he is a starter, but his strikeouts per nine rate as a reliever, a little bit better for obvious reasons. Typically coming out of the bullpen, it does wind up helping out with that quite a bit. And for Ryan Yarbrough this season, it's been a little bit of tough luck for him. He has a 489 ERA overall. He's been getting just six punch outs per nine innings, giving up about a home run and a half per nine. The walks still aren't necessarily demonstratively high as he's been giving up right around two and a half walks per nine innings. But with that said, he's coming off one of his best starts of the year, giving up just one run in four innings in relief coming out of the bullpen against the Toronto Blue Jays. And you really take a look at Ryan Yarbrough ever since the beginning of the month of July. He has made four starts slash relief appearances, 19 and third innings, giving up seven runs. So he's been able to shape up a little bit on that front. And then you take a look at Freddie Peralta and he has been dealing with injuries the last few seasons. He wanted coming back in his first start and that didn't necessarily look bad, didn't necessarily look great. But now all of a sudden you have to be cautious of the bullpen that is backing him up because with this Milwaukee Brewers team, they wind up trading away Josh Hader, Brian Boxberger, Hobie Milner have been relatively solid, but you still got Brent Suter, has got north of a four ERA, Devin Williams. I think that he's going to be just fine. He's a lot runs in two out of his last four appearances. Some of those runs they wound up being unearned, though, a few days ago when they wound up losing to the Cincinnati Reds in 10 innings. But I do think that when it comes to Freddie Peralta, it is going to be very important that he just winds up giving a little bit of command. He's always had issues with walks. I mean, as a matter of fact, this season, giving up right around 3.2 walks per nine innings is always had good swing and miss stuff. He's been able to get right around 11 punch outs per nine innings thus far this season, but with Freddie Peralta as well. Last year, just three and two-thirds innings in his first start coming back against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was his first start since really the end of May. That is a little bit of a concern. He's had a 4.46 ERA overall this season, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, Jimmy Iacobona is probably the least trustworthy guy you're going to see outside of Ryan Yarbrough in this game. Iacobona has had a little bit of a rough go of it, giving up three runs in his last relief appearance, but this is a Tampa Bay Rays bullpen that is very supreme, as you've got Pete Fairbanks out back to fold for the team. Jalen Beeks has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA column. Pooch, Brooks, Raley, both of these guys have been able to do a nice job. Raley has right around a 250 ERA. Pooch, sub-3 ERA. Jason Adam, he's been able to give you right around a buck 50 ERA. But for the big thing for the Tampa Bay Rays, getting a little bit of power going. Isaac Paredes, he's right now leading the way. He has gotten just 14 home runs this season. And for Paredes, throw in there so many of these guys like Taylor Walls, Luke Raley, Rene Pinto. list goes on and on. Ever since he came over from the Oakland A's Christian Bathincourt, they're in a 222 or lower. You've been able to get some relatively good production out of David Peralta and Roman Quinn since they've come over. Both of these guys hitting a 280 or greater Yandy Diaz. He's got a 390 on base, but really a lack of power. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, you don't have a lot of guys that consistently get on base. Now, they've been able to work on this a little bit. Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, along with a cast of other guys like a Colton Wong hitting between about a 252 to a 263. And when Mark Brass has been out there, he's been able to 280. Only has 100 at-bats as far this season and supply the boom a little bit as well with Rowdy Tillis, Willie Thomas providing 22 home runs this season under Renfro. He's getting a home run every about 14 or so at-bats, but I do think that the Brewers being a little bit overpriced here. I did have to downgrade. They're pitching a little bit, and I do think that this is going to be a little bit of pitcher's duel. I like the way that Yarbrough is coming in. I think the Freddie Peralta winds up going four or so. Backed up by a few good bullpen pieces. Backed up by a couple of rough ones and for the race. Been a little bit of a tough time scoring for them. So seeing the eighth I am right now, I'm looking at the under semi total at 7.9 and needed at least a plus 143 to take a shot on the race. So looking at the race as well. We do wrap things up with my DK Nation pick. 931-932 on the bank board. The Minnesota Twins at the road face off gets the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. And Joe Ryan is going to be going for Minnesota. 8.5 is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 with the Dodgers 
favors. They are in between minus 195 and minus 210 favors. In between plus 175 and plus 190 is your price on Minnesota. Need at least a plus 192 to take a shot here on Minnesota. But with the way that this is trending, this is probably going to be me taking some big giant Mondo number on the Minnesota Twins. And if you're taking a look at the run line right now of the LA Dodgers, say we're between even money and a minus 105. I'm willing to go up to a minus 108 with them. This becomes a question of Minnesota money line or Dodgers run line. Because with the Dodgers, they either win by two runs or they wind up losing outright. There has not really been a whole lot of in-between with the team all season long. Out of their 75 wins, 67 of on it coming by multiple runs. When it's all said and done, like I said, I have to think that the money is going to be pouring in on LA. That should be able to give me like a plus 195, plus $2, and I'll be willing to take a shot there on Joe Ryan, who, for Ryan, he has given up two earned runs or fewer. And now four out of his last five starts, but he did wind up having one very demonstratively terrible start in between where he wound up giving up 10 runs against the Slam Diego Padres, giving up five bombs, and I believe that that was before they wound up picking up Juan Soto, so that was really bad, but for Joe Ryan, other than that one really bad start, he has been very stable for this bunch as he has allowed three earned runs or fewer in all but two of his last 13 starts when he has went on the road. If he had thrown out that San Diego Padres start, he's got a sub 3-3 ERA overall for the season, 367 ERA. He's given up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings, two and a half walks per nine. He's been able to get nine punch outs per nine innings. This guy has some very good upside. He's going to be going up against an L.A. Dodgers team that we all know what the Dodgers are able to provide on offense. Buki Betts, he's been able to go deep 25 times, has been absolutely tremendous at the top of the lineup. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, both of these guys hanging north of a 300 with Freeman, more like a 325. Turner, 18 home runs. Freeman, 15 bombs. Will Smith, he gets jiggy with it. 360 on base, 16 home runs. Justin Turner down for what has been a little bit banged up, but whenever he's been out there, he has been solid, likely going to be still on the injured list for this one. So they've been doing a little bit of mixing and matching, and there are a couple guys that they do need to pick it up. Cody Bellinger wound up having a pair of homers on Sunday Night Baseball. I don't know if I'm going to be able to buy into it until we wind up seeing a good shall we say, stretch of games with him as he, Joey Gallo, Max Muncy, Austin Barnes, all these guys in a 215 or lower. And then you do take a look at the Minnesota Twins and you've had Byron Buxton be able to do a tremendous job of be able to crank out the deep ball, 26 home runs thus far this season, but he's only in the neighborhood about a 220. In terms of guys that are able to get on base, you do have plenty of them, though. Luis Arise still has been able to hit a 330 for the team. He has been incredible as a table setter. Jake Cave, Gilberto Cicino, Carlos Correa, Jose Miranda, Nick Gordon, all in between a 265 to a 280. Gio Urshela, double-digit amount of bombs. He's hitting right around 260. Kyle Garlick, Alex Kurloff when they're out there. Maybe they would do a solid job. Ode Palanco, 14 bombs. He's got a 350 on base as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, they don't back him up with too bad of a bullpen as Yohan Duran, along with Griffin Jacks, are able to give you multiple And Jacks has been having a little bit of a tough time with it. ERA up to a 358 as in the last three days. A 630 ERA, but Duran, he's got a sub-3 ERA. They pick up Michael Fulmer at the trade deadline. He's been able to provide a 3 ERA. Trevor McGill has been relatively consistent for this team. Sub-3 ERA out of him as well. And for the LA Dodgers, it's been the unsung heroes that have been able to step up. They've been dealing with the injury to Blake Tryon all season long. It's been a really bad season for Craig Kimbrell. And Reyes Bonanta has been a little bit up and down. But you do have Yancey Almonte, Evan Phillips, a pair of guys that have been able to provide a sub-2 ERA. Caleb Ferguson, I don't believe, has given up a single earned run all season long. So I do think that the Minnesota Twins should be a relatively sizable underdog. But this winds up getting up to a plus 182. Could be willing to take a shot on them, especially with Julio Arias throughout his... Just season in general being a little bit better when he has been on the road rather than at home. But you take a look at the recent form of Julio Arias has been very solid. Team has been able to get him personally the win in four out of his last five starts. He's got a 257 ERA in this span, which 
actually matches up perfectly with what he's done all season long. 298 home area, 227 ERA on the road. He has given up 15 home runs in 115 and two-thirds innings, but if you do take a look at the way that Julio Rios has pitched, he has been getting a little bit unlucky, which is why the DK Nation pick, which I've yet to really mention too much with this breakdown, is going to be on the under in this spot because I did think that you're going to get Joe Ryan, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, has been able to do a very solid job. Sands at San Diego Padres start, and for Mr. Arias, he's been able to do a solid job of not walking guys. Sub two walks per nine innings, eight and a half punch outs per nine. This is also a nighttime game out there in Los Angeles where the ball does not wind up carrying quite as much. The Dodgers, they are number two in the National League in terms of bullpen area. Minnesota Twins, they've been able to do a solid job with their bullpen as well and they just have not had a lot of firepower in terms of the home run ball other than Byron Buxton. So the DK Nation pick going to be on the under and I am going to be willing to take the Minnesota Twins as long as we get up pretty much two more pennies to right around about a plus 182 and that will wrap things up. For the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, a big thanks to Dan Zimborski of Fangrass for joining me in the last segment. If you do like to from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JunaNerdSquarty1. Keep in mind, letters EM, maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you'll be able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.